welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. And I am on mute. <laughs> Hot start. Uh, what is good, everyone? Welcome in. to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. Impromptu recording, not in my normal location, so the intro tonight is going to be a little sticky, a little fun, but we're here. I'm with my guys, Todd and Rowett. Mid-season review, some crazy hot takes from Discord community. It's going to be a fun one. How you guys doing? I'm going to do my impression of you for the first 10 seconds of the podcast, which is... So, oh, sorry, sorry, guys. I too was on mute. What are the chances? But anyway, I'm doing great. Todd, how are you? Living the dream. Excellent. <sighs> Halfway here in what feels probably the most parody-driven season we've had in a little bit, right? In spite of the fact that Max is still kind of running away with this. Yeah, it feels like that. Like, I, the fact that we're already halfway through is a little mind-blowing because... When we started this podcast and right before the season, it felt like we had so many races and it was going to be such a long season and so much action and, you know, the development race and all that stuff. It would just it felt like we had so much ahead of us and it feels like it's flown by. Absolutely. Like just burning through the season. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It. it I was, I think we all kind of had the, how many races do we really need in a season thought in the last couple of years at some point. And this year it's kind of like, keep them coming. You know, like it doesn't feel like it's, it's too much right now. I can't seem to get enough of it. Maybe it's cause I get to talk to you guys every week after, after the race, but you know, it's been awesome so far, yeah. I think. You're too kind to us, Nick, but yeah, I am definitely going through the Tyrone Bigham's phase of, let me tell you something you might not know about me, Joe uh, Joe Rogan. I like Formula One races. I like them a lot. So it's definitely been fun. Before we get into what I think we're kind of calling our halfway season awards, you guys want to do a traditional thing, but with a new twist. Since we didn't have a race, I figured from our standing section, we can just quickly go over both the drivers and the constructors series and see where we are before we get into the takes and get into the madness that is our show. I like Sounds it. Good. Let's run it. Excellent. Up first, we have the golden boy himself, Max Verstappen for Red Bull Racing. Number two is Charles Leclerc for Ferrari. Three, Sergio Perez, also of Red Bull Racing. Four, this is not a pattern, but it is a pattern. Carlos Sainz for Ferrari. Five, George Russell, followed by his teammate Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Lando Norris in seventh. The first probably big su- surprise for the standings, Esteban Ocon in eighth. Valtteri Bottas, a.k.a. Terry Bodas in ninth. And Fernando Alonso closing out the top ten. Uh, from there on out, we go into the non-point standings, if you will. We've got Kevin Magnuson in 11th, Daniel Ricciardo having probably one of the more frustrating seasons of his career, still in a respectable 12th, followed by Pierre Gasly in 13th, 14th is Seb Vettel, 15th is his protege Mick Schumacher, 16th is American Japanese sweetheart Yuki Tsunoda, followed by my arch nemesis Zhou Guan Yu. And then we have the Canadian portion of the festivities with Alexander Albon, Lance Stroll, and Nicholas Latifi in 18th, 19th, and 20th. And then Mr. Irrelevant himself, Nico Hulkenberg, I believe only had one race, but he is there in 21st place out of 20 drivers. Those are your driver standings. And then from a constructor perspective, 
We've got Red Bull Racing in one, Ferrari in two, Mercedes in three, McLaren in four, Renault in five. I'm sorry, Alpine. I went back to 2017 just for a second. Six is the surprising Alfa Romeo. Seventh is the equally surprising Haas Ferrari. Then Alfa Tauri and probably the disappointment, followed by Aston Martin. And then last but not least, what feels like for almost half a decade, Williams Mercedes. Some interesting tidbits in there. No, I was hoping that Nick would turn his mic on and then we would just hear crickets in the background and that would kill the segment. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be an amazing episode, though? At some point, we should do that. When there's just something that's so ridiculous that we can't even speak on it, just crickets. Just an hour (laughs) of crickets. (laughs) That'd be great. I mean, it's interesting to, uh, to me, like... I don't know. I didn't have the faith in, in Charles Leclerc going into the season, but I think that, you know, really, I'll, I'll save it. I, I don't think I don't think I was like doubting him, but I had him as like maybe a one win two win kind of a guy. And it turns out that he's kind of like probably the only thing that's going to give Max a run for his money unless unless Lewis has some insane run here. Which, you know, could happen, but... It could be Lewis, it could be George, it could be Checo. Hell, it could even be Signs if the cards play right, but... Yeah, this has been one of those things. And before we, I guess, stray too far away from the topic, I was just going to poke and prod you a little bit more, Nick. What about Charles Leclerc did you not have faith in? Like, Did you think that he would be a top five driver, or is even this a bit of a surprise to see where he was because your expectations were so low coming into the season? No, I think I was thinking top five, but I was, I, I, I mean, just based on the past few years, I guess my faith in Ferrari was not very strong because they haven't, they haven't really delivered the cars. They've had good drivers, but they haven't really delivered the cars in recent years. That's fair. All righty, gentlemen, where do we want to start? Do we want to go into the hot take review or do we go awards first? Let's. I kind of want to do the awards because I feel we're a little bit classier than we like to let people in on. But my goodness, when the hot takes are here, they're hot and heavy. And we really shine in terms of being the clown broadcasting show that we secretly know we are, but we embrace it nonetheless. And I think Todd is now doing his impression of Nick. I can't believe that. (laughs) This is just going to be the I'm on mute episode. Let's... (laughs) What I was saying, (laughs) I feel like we got a little crickets in there too, so it's pretty good. Um, Let's do the uh, the awards, midseason awards. Then we'll do community hot takes, and then we'll do our hot takes to wrap it up. Our additional whatever, yeah. So we came up with a couple different awards that we wanted to. I guess give out to the drivers and the constructors because we're at that halfway point and for now we just have six awards the best driver the best constructor the biggest surprise the biggest disappointment our favorite moment and then a sentimental favorite so I think the best driver and the best constructor are pretty self-explanatory so I won't go into them there biggest surprise and biggest disappointment it can be a driver it can be a rule change it can be a constructor 
whatever brought the biggest random emotion of joy and then also the perpetual sadness that's what that awards are for or that's what those awards are for our favorite moment i was trying to think of specifically a racing moment but maybe it could be a moment of commentary maybe it could be a gunter steiner head in his hands moment who knows maybe it's your favorite christian horner put down whatever that is i'll let my host kind of explain what they want to put there and then sentimental favorite similarly like who's somebody that in brokeback mountain turns you wish you could quit but you can't so i think i'm playing somebody's hand on this panel when i made that award but we'll see when that person gets there but up first we'll go with the best driver so todd if you're off mute do you want to go ahead and lead us sure I am off mute. Uh, I'm going to start with best driver. Uh, to me, this is kind of a cop out, but it's also the obvious and probably truest answer. It's been George Russell. The Mercedes started real bad. Uh, the porpoising, everything like that. And he's been he's everybody calls him Mr. Consistency for a reason up until what was it, Silverstone? He finished in the top five of every race and then right back to it in the next race. So it's got to be George Russell for me, best driver. Um, given that his, like, obviously we could say, you know, Max is an easy one to pick there as well, but he's taking uh, what started out as a pretty dog of a car to uh, pretty great heights and to be as high as he is in the driver's championship and a large reason why... You know, Mercedes is still, you know, I guess best of the rest or whatever. Um, it's a bit it's place in a two-person contest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if there is really only like Formula One and Formula One point five, they are super outclassing the rest of Formula One point five this year. So. I was going to say this in the one race that he did not finish in that top five. He proved to be a top five human being because I believe he jumped out of his car to check on my favorite driver, Joe Guan Yu, and make sure he was okay after what was probably one of the more startling moments of the season. Nick, any thoughts on the George Russell call out or anything you want to add on top of that? No, I think that's a, a good, a solid pick, right? Because to your point, it's it's both the racing and the you know, looking out for his fellow competitors, right? That's that's kind of what you want in a in a race car driver. You know, you want him to go out there and kick everyone's ass, but you also want him to make sure that he picks up after whatever dramatic scene unfolds on the track. Yep, that's fair. All right, we'll use that segue to talk to Mr. Engvall. Nick, who's your favorite? Uh, who's your best driver, rather, for this first half of the season? I mean. I kind of have to go with Max because he's really driven way more mature than I ever expected him to this season. You know, he, he, at the, if you looked at what he did last year and how aggressive he was and, you know, it's, it's simultaneously what you love if you're a Max fan and what you hate if you're not a Max fan uh, is the way that he drives. But this season he's been very calculated way more than I ever expected from him. And, you know, I think the only times that he's really not been in the, in the front running, you know, two, three cars is, is been, you know, the team's fault for giving him a, a failing engine of some sort. 
I think that's a really good point because we're so used to Max being overly aggressive. And in this case, he has been that calculated, mature driver that you've called out. And it's when the robots gain that self-awareness and you just are like, holy crap, now we're really in for it. He has proven to be the epitome of consistency, even though we just talked about George Russell. There is something to be said that for what felt like the first eight races, he either won the race or he was out of the race. And he's now toned that into basically being the best driver and it's not even close on certain days because it doesn't feel like he's getting out of third gear. But I'm saying probably too nice of things of Max Verstappen. I'll give this up to probably the second biggest Max Verstappen hater in the group. Todd, what are your thoughts? No, it's <laughs> it's like I said, uh, it, I, Nick nailed it um, with with his reasons. Like, I don't think any of us or even Max fans expected him to drive as mature as he is this year. And I think I saw um, an article or YouTube video talking about how Max is driving differently against Leclerc than he did against Hamilton in years gone by. Ooh. And I thought I thought that was really really good call out and maybe just uh, a st- stamp of certification that we know what we're talking about because we've been saying it that we've seen Max mature this year and drive in a way that um, has a little bit of car preservation, a little bit of points preservation. Um, you know, he's not like, you know, one of us is going to make it out of this corner anymore. So it, it's Nick's right in that you could easily put him as, as the best driver of the year. I, I mean, obviously, he's still in first place, right? But as far as uh, strategy and, and, you know, that, that second-level mind that we've talked about before. Nah, when the dude wants to race and not be a jerk, there's nobody better, and I hate saying that because I definitely am Team Lewis when it comes to those two, but kudos to you, Max Verstappen. I really want to see how you follow up this first half of the season with what should be a tremendous coronation, if you will, of his second championship, and lo and behold, I think when we were doing that Hot Takes episode, some of us have the gall to say, oh, there's going to be a championship hangover. He's so used to being the hunter. He's never been the hunted, but my God, that man makes it look easy if he's the hunted, so to speak. I guess I'll use this opportunity now to talk about my best driver. And I was going to go with Max, but Nick went with him and that's the right call. So I'll go for his teammate, Checo Perez. I think what he's done, especially from a number two driver, has been fantastic. And we always expect the number two driver to be in within the points, so to speak. But Checo really has proven to me that he has a good claim to be the second best driver on the grid. And it's not the usual Checo way, which is tire conservation, situational awareness. He's shown some really active driving. He still kind of maintained that level of consist- uh, consistency and dare I say a stereotype of being a great defensive driver because unfortunately I haven't had the same race experience as these two guys that I call my co-hosts have. But it seems that all the Latin infused drivers tend to be very good defensively and i'm wondering if that's just a very astute and crude observation that i've made or is there some sort of historical pedigree that goes with it but that's a bit of a tangent and my hope is checo wins more than just the valtteri botas if you will of like there are going to be races where i hope that red bull let him race and let him give max a show because i think he's been that good this year guys what are your thoughts on my checo perez call out there I think you nailed it. Um, he's been 
by far the best number two. And I'm saying that with the caveat that I guess George is technically a number two driver because he's against the GOAT, whatever. But it doesn't really feel like George's been a number two because he's been so consistent. So I'm scared that they won't let him race because they want to... They want to, like, secure Max's championship as early as possible. And they're, I, I think if it comes to, like, car development and stuff, they're not going to listen to Checo's feedback as much as they would with Max. Um, but I think as far as, like, Checo finding another gear, pun intended, um, that, that it's true. Like, he's always been... Just, a, you know, really smart driver, really good on his tires, and good results have come from that. And now you're seeing him, you know, really, like, attack, for lack of a better word, so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's just he's just been absolutely the best number two, right? Like, if, if he wasn't racing, I mean, if he wasn't racing with Max, he's arguably number one on any other team maybe with the exception of Ferrari debatable where he lands on the, on the Mercedes team, if, if that was the case, but he's just been incredible. So I, I really, I really do hope that they either, they either, I mean, I want to see it obviously go to the, to the end of the year always, cause that's what keeps it interesting. But I really hope that, that he's, you know, not kind of buried amongst the, the pack in order to secure Max's win. No, I was just going to say this. He's the best number two driver in the world, and we're not even talking about Red Bull anymore. And if he is allowed to race, it's going to be an interesting season because, as we kind of alluded to earlier, it seems like a foregone formality that Max has got this wrapped up. But, you know, what's not a foregone formality, the constructors race. And we'll use that as a segue to talk about who we think is the best constructor. So, Nick, why don't you start us off with who's really impressed you from that side of the garage, if you will? I mean, it's hard to not say Ferrari. Um, for me, Red Bull is the obvious answer because they're just dominating. But Ferrari, in my opinion, has been more consistent with dealing with porpoising, all that kind of stuff. It's it's just impressive. I mean, I think other than like the last three races out of the gates, they were they were just massively impressive to me. While Todd and I figure out who's going to beat this staring contest in the face, (laughs) I will kind of just say this. Ferrari does well in spite of themselves sometimes. And as much as I want to give them that plaudit of being a great driving team, the strategy has just befuddled me, much like it has Charles Leclerc. And I will say this. I know I sound like a broken record. I think because of the fact that Carlos Sainz knows when to let his driving do the talking and not the Ferrari strategy, they could have been a far worse spot. So I, I want to give it to them, but I think they're probably my second favorite or not second favorite. They're probably in second place for the best constructors that I want to say, because I think I need a little bit more consistency from the man side of the garage, not the machine, which is saying something because that car has been wildly erratic at times. Yeah, I was more so trying to collect my thoughts because I <laughs> Ferrari has just absolutely bumblefucked the strategy in so many races this year 
And on top of that, they build a super fast car, but it's a fragile car. And like the two things you have to be like that you would expect from a constructor is good strategy and a reliable car. And they're neither. So that was surprising. Like the only reason Ferrari's in the fight is because of their drivers and it's not the garage. So I would hard disagree with Nick there, but it's a, it's a hot take. And that's, I guess the theme of this episode, you want you, we could just write that down for later as a hot take. No, no, I've got, I've got it in the old Excel spreadsheet up here, but I will say this about them. Much like, pick your favorite American sports league, there's always this historical power that people want to come back to their golden era, and I, we experienced that with Ferrari in this sport. But there are times this season where I'm like, I think they're going to figure this out. And then it turns into, oh, you should pit right now. And you need the Carlos Sainz's of the world to be like, no, I'm good. Look, don't talk to me. I'm going to keep driving. And the way I almost describe it is it's if Kimmy was a nice guy. And she's like, it's fine. I'll go. Because imagine Kimmy being on this iteration of a Ferrari team where you have the possibility of winning every race you set your foot on. But then at the same time, your worst enemy are the guys that are supposed to look out for you. And that's one thing I wish I could just hand put Kimmy in one of these races with this strategic crew and this car and just kind of see what the results may be. I don't know why that just made me think of this, but there's a really famous clip of when Kimmy was on Ferrari and they, I think it was like 20, I want to say 2017, 2018, maybe. And they're pushing him on the like rolling jacks to the start line. And he doesn't have his steering wheel or gloves or anything. (laughs) And he's like screaming over the radio, like gloves, I need gloves. And, um, it's, that is like the epitome of what Ferrari is to me. Like, they're really good at getting the car to the grid fast, but they forget the steering wheel on the gloves. I was just going to say if you this. Have, if you have Tesla's self-driving experience to get you around the track, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I understand where you're coming from because it has been a shit show over there in, the, in, in terms of strategy. But if your strategy is just go faster than everyone else and not have to worry about it, then they've got that part almost figured out. And I think they have fewer dnfs than red bull does oh that's a really good question i wonder who has the most dnfs this season i will check that I, out while you two continue i would actually think it's what? thinks it's i would think it's ferrari because not necessarily from the team's fault but didn't signs dnf in one race because he went off got stuck yep science so has I'm, had two Sorry, no, go ahead, bro. You, you. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I was a rude one, but I'll just go ahead and say this. I'm looking through our season notes right now. Checo has three DNFs. Max has two. Uh, from the Ferrari side, Carlos has four, and Charles has two. So I believe Red Bull has one less, if my math is correct. But like I said, I may be the worst yeah. Indian when it comes to math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks right. Um, but... I mean, that's my point, though, right? Like, we talk about them as if they have, they're just like, I I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the idea of them just being the straight up pit crew from the Cars animated film, right? Like, that's the way I I hear them in my mind and see them. The, the, like, you know, lovingly racist American in me, you know, thinks of it that way. But, like, if they've got a car fast enough where like they're you know 
also like you know the porpoising thing is is really interesting conversation right like i I don't want to get too far into that because i want to bring it up a little bit later in the in in this conversation but there's something to be said about uh, the lack of porpoising from the ferraris in my opinion i think that's fair Todd, any uh, closing thoughts before we go to you with what you feel is the best constructor halfway through this season? Uh, yeah, I'll just say that like, if there was ever a statement to live by for a team, it was said by Enzo Ferrari a very long time ago, and he said downforce is for people that can't build engines, which feeds into just if if your strategy is go faster than everyone else. Then that's that's Ferrari living living the Enzo statement still to this day. So, you know what? I I stand behind you now, Nick. I've changed my <laughs> my standpoint. I'm gonna go into my best constructor, and I'm just gonna sound like a whole a Merc stand this whole episode because my Damn best it. constructor is Mercedes for a couple of reasons. One. And Rohit has said this a million times on our pod, and I'm sorry for stealing your answer if I just did. That's fine. But they are just pure professionals all the time. They they rarely make mistakes, minus that 96-hour pit stop from Monaco last year. It happens. Um, yeah. They, uh, they, they are pure class, rarely make mistakes. If there's things go wrong, it's generally drivers, uh, driver error. And they are, they started the year with a a shit car and they were like bouncing their drivers to death and they stayed the course and appear to have not only fixed it, but taken a step forward in their car. And I'll get to more hot takes later about that. Um, But it's, uh, it's got to be Merc for me. Now, that was my answer as well. I was just going to say this. Uh, It's one of those things where, you know what you're getting with them and that's saying something in this particular season because the two top teams have had reliability issues. Let's just leave it at that. Merck has not had that in the same way. And yes, they're not reaching the same highs, but they are also not the basement dwellers. And if this is the off season that they've had in terms of being off and not on, I would think every team behind them and even probably Ferrari, if they're being honest with themselves, would kill to have their worst season play out the way it's been playing out for Mercedes. Well said. Yeah. Agreed. I think Alpha would love to be in their spot, right? Built a quick car. That's like a good comparison to like Merck, how it started, how bad they started. Same thing with Alpha. Yep. I mean, and one last thing, because I think... This speaks to how professional they are. We can't wax poetic about their ineptitude the way we just did for Ferrari, where Ferrari's whole tenant is, do you want a fast car or do you want a reliable car? Because you can't have both. And that's what life is sometimes. All right, so I guess it's up to me now. And I would say this, it should be Red Bull because they are leading the points, but I am always going to use an opportunity to push them further down in the mud. I'll say that the best constructor for me is probably Alpine. And it's one of those teams that are on the come up. Now, listen, I can do the Red Bull thing. It's a great answer. Max is just running shit. Checo Prez is the best number two driver in the world. Christian Horner is going to say snide things that are going to make us laugh if we're being honest with ourselves. Dr. Helmut Marco is probably feeding on a baby somewhere. And we don't know what's happening other than they're just going to win almost every race that they have. That being said, I'll go off the beaten path. 
we did not expect this from Alpine. I'm the relative or I'm the big Alpine fanboy of the group, so to speak, because, you know, Mr. Ocon. But at the same time, Fernando Alonso is looking like prime Fernando Alonso. And I don't think any of us thought that was, quote unquote, El Plan. Like we thought he would be a nice person to keep things interesting, almost in the Kimmy vein, so to speak. But he's been competing for races. He pulled the best Dikembe Mutombo impression I've seen since that Geico commercial. So, yeah, like that's why. I like Alpine. I think they're doing really well for where they were expected to be and how they've closed out this half of the season. Agreed. But their car falls apart all the time. Uh, Like, uh, I uh, saw... (laughs) I saw a a really interesting video the race put out... uh, a couple of days ago, I think, but F- Fernando would be where is he currently in the standings? Tenth. He's tenth, right on twenty nine points. They did a like a rough estimation. If if he hadn't like if he hadn't had mechanical issues in races, and he would currently be in seventh or closer to sixth ish depending on their estimation. But he'd be something like 80, 90 points right behind Lewis if he didn't have mechanical issues. And that alone, I can't can't co-sign the Alpine thing. Because it's That's been fair. water pump failures, MGUH failures, MGUK failures. Just like, it's always the fuel pump failures. It's always something. Even so... And I get all that, but what I'm saying is this, right? The way we've just talked about Alpine is how we were chatting about Red Bull at the first half of the year, how we've talked about Ferrari for the second half, where their mechanical issues are preventing this really great car to truly achieve its potential. But what's different is the fact that we expected Red Bull to run away with this. We expected Ferrari to pose somewhat of a speedy road bump for Red Bull on the way to their championship. Alpine at the start of the season was a little old lady that was waving to the race car driver from the stands. Like there were no expectations and they have a, in my mind, a good shout to being the fourth best team, which is saying something because that's taking it back to the Renault era of civil, uh, Cyril Abitabo. And I didn't think we would get there, but that's why I'm saying like, I'm rewarding the potential given how low the bar was. So I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit because do it, Nick. According to MostlyF1.com, Alpine only has three DNFs, which, you know, we're talking about Red Bull and Ferrari having five and six, respectively. You've got Haas, you've got Williams with five, um, AlphaTauri with four. Like, honestly, like, it's, it's, I mean, the cars aren't fast, but they're not unreliable, are they? If they only have three but DNFs, they, but so since they were able to finish, that does look better in in a snapshot form. But they've had to like manage, right? They're like, oh, we're overheating, so you're gonna have to manage, or you're leaking water, so you're gonna have to manage, or um, the fuel pump's cutting out, so you're gonna have to lift and coast or whatever. So like, he's lost points. Fernando specifically has lost points by having to manage an issue over the course of a race. So the fact that they didn't like spectacularly explode and roll down a hill in Austria, like Ferrari did, I guess is better. But like they've, the fact that they've lost something like 50 points ish 
um, by having to manage is is equally as bad as having five or six DNFs to me. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to give Ferrari the credit for, like, you know what, just go fast. If it if he dies, he dies. Like, Ivan Drago kind of. Like, if we're going to give Ferrari the credit there, we have to, like, be equally... Try that same line for Alp- Alpine, right? Yeah. No, and I totally I get that. Well the one said. thing I will say... Yeah, that is extremely well said. I will say, looking at the constructor standings right now, Alpine and McLaren are tied at 81 apiece. To your point, Todd, if they picked up one single solitary point from the 50 that they've lost, they're already at that fourth place, which is something I don't think any of us expected. So just food for thought. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I can't be fangirling over one constructor while I criticize the other. So fair enough. I will say that enough of the constructors. Oh, Todd, do you have something? Yeah, I got one thing to add. I'm going to completely contradict myself later when we get to hot takes, by the way. I just want to call that out now. Uh, for everything I just said about helping. So, okay, there's enough. that. That's what we call a tease in the industry. See, I've learned so much <laughs> hanging out with Nick and Todd. Uh, speaking of surprises, we'll go on next to the biggest surprise. And Nick, why don't you start us off with what you think the biggest surprise is for you personally this season? Uh, you know... I don't know. I, I honestly, uh, there's nothing that like stands out as like, wow, that's crazy. That's happening this season. I think that probably the fact that Valtteri Bottas is, has put the Alpha car, you know, fairly high up the grid a couple of different times has been interesting because I honestly expected him to, to go to Alpha and kind of fade away into retirement. Um, but yeah, so that I think that's probably my my biggest surprise for the season. I, that's the same thing. I mean, once again, somebody took my answer. It's been refreshing to see that tall drink of water. Actually, he's not even that tall. I would say he's probably a short and stout drink of water. Continue <laughs> to live up to his prophecy of being a very competent driver. And I think if you had talked to all of us, what would we have said as the over-under in terms of points for him this upcoming season? Because I was famously stupid enough to say they're not going to score a single point between him or Joe this season, and my goodness, did that blow up in my face. I expected his consistency. I'll call back to my preseason prediction of him getting two at least P3s in quali, which I don't know if we're going to get there, but we'll get, get to that. Um... But I think it's a great call. Like it, it's, he's where is he in the standings? Um, I believe he's ninth or tenth. Let me quickly glam that up. Yes, he's ninth right yeah, now ninth. with forty-six points. I, I feel like that's almost underachieving for Terry. Um, if Alpha Romeo had a little bit more of a steady car, um, then he, I think he'd be even further up the grid there. But he's, he like actually had on his day times where he would beat the greatest driver ever, at least statistically, whatever. We're not going to have the GOAT argument right now, but um, he had flashes of brilliance, even beating the best of the best. So, and you're going up against that for years on end, like, and he was always right there, right? Like he had several years where he finished P2 in the championship. 
So it's nothing to shake a stick at. Like he's a really, really good, good driver. So I think uh, the fact that he's settled into the new team and taken over as team leader is awesome. And it's a really pleasant surprise, I guess, just to add on to Nick's. We love you, Terry. We love that boat ass of yours because you're doing things none of us thought. Got were that possible. cake. That cake. My goodness. Jeez, that pound cake. I will use that to talk about my biggest surprise, which is if Valtteri Botas is pound cake, then my biggest surprise is the rat that's cooking the pound cake through a human vessel, and that's Esteban Ocon. I don't think any of us expected him to be the number one driver on his team because lo and behold, you still have Fernando the Bull Alonso as his compatriot there, but he has his own bit of consistency in terms of we've only seen one DNF. He seems to always be in the back half of the points, but it's also one of these things where we'll see moments where we're like, okay, this dude is not necessarily just there for the sake of being there. Like he is a competent race car driver. I think for me, it's very interesting to see him coming off of what I thought was probably his most memorable year for two different things. One was the fact that, yeah, he got the first place in the Hungarian Grand Prix, which is still a surprise as we kind of say that out loud. But then at the same time, he managed to do one race on one set of tires, which is still something I haven't seen. And I thought Alex Albon was going to do that this year. But lo and behold, Williams decided we need to change those tires up in the very last le- uh, lap of that particular race that's now left my mind but at the same time I ride or die for Esteban Ocon I know he's not the most exciting guy in the world but you know what like Ratatouille there's a certain soft spot that you get when you're watching him and that's just him being a competent driver in spite of the adverse situations that he was put around in terms of the fact that he didn't necessarily come from money the same way a lot of these drivers do that he's is he the new Checo that would be just- a compliment quiet consistency i don't think he's as dynamic as checo and i hate saying that but i mean checo's gone from last to first i don't think ocon's got that in the bag so to speak maybe not no, yet. i don't think his ceiling is as high as checo obviously checo's proved again that his ceiling is higher than i think anybody expected but like he's the new quiet consistency that checo used to be in his force india days Fair. um i wouldn't say i'm gonna take issue with one of the points you made i wouldn't i wouldn't call him the number one driver statistically right now he is we'll see but i think like development wise they're gonna listen to alonso more uh like team leader wise i think it's alonso racecraft wise i think it's alonso pace wise i think it's alonso um i think we like i just talked about like alonso has had a really bad stroke of luck this year but I your slightly your fandom of Ratatouille and his actions this year have started to turn me around on him because I actually yeah. used to really just dislike him and thought of him in the same vein as the, you bite your tongue. Don't you damn I, bring up that C word, <laughs> the Canadians. No, I'm not going to go that far, but I wouldn't have put his talent much higher than strolls previously. That's fair. I don't agree with it at all, but that's fair. This is why we live in this country for having these opinions. Nick, save your boy from himself. Come on. And if you I say mean, I don't even know if I can. I feel I feel like I feel like Todd went from well, it's not always it's it, it's it's usually it's usually about the numbers. But now it, it is about the number. Well, it's it's kind of about the numbers, but not really about the numbers. 
No. I mean, it's a tough thing. That's the best. That's This conversation is what I love about this sport, right? Because people get emotionally invested into these drivers in, in ways that you can't possibly calculate. And you could look at statistics all day long and everything will be wrong the next race based on those statistics you looked at and the data that you, you know, based your analysis on. And I think that's the, this conversation is exactly that, right? Yeah, like exactly. Ocon's not necessarily okay. like the biggest surprise to me, but I definitely w- was not quite as I'm somewhere in the middle of, of the two of you in terms of like how much I, I appreciate the guy previously to this year. Fair. Speaking of Nick Engvall appreciations, Nick, who was the biggest surprise for you? The biggest surprise? I think I, I said Terry Terry Botas. Oh, sorry. Todd's got to go, you right? And Nick are, are, yeah, you and Todd are blending into one because I thought Todd also had picked Terry, but go ahead, Todd. We're both generic looking white guys in baseball caps. We get it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, biggest. <laughs> Uh, biggest surprise to me, this is going to come out of left field. Joe Guan Yu. You s- I think you just did that to troll me because of how eloquently you pronounce that name. But go on, plead your case. No, but I am like a slight callback to your uh, Alpine slash Renault days and you pronounce Cyril Abitable like correctly and you just pulled that out of your hat and it's continued to struggle. Was impressive. Was Thank impressive. Um, but anyway, uh, and this is simply from the fact that I thought he was like uh, at best midfield driver in Formula 2 with a couple of good days, you know, a couple of good races here and there. And it, I guess maybe him having the stigma of coming into Formula 1 as a pay driver. I know they all are on some level, um, but I just didn't really have high hopes for him. So I thought... Uh, I think I actually said it at the beginning of the year that I thought I could see him off the grid in a year. Um, if, if like, you know, the money dried up or Alpha decided to go another way. But he is quietly improving race on race. He had a rough start to the year. He's had his, definitely his trials. Um, but I, he's surprising me as far as his, like, racecraft, his pace, his awareness in the last few races. And he seems to be making, like, more than a competent backup to, to Terry. So I think not only will he be on the grid next year, I think he'll be even taking a step forward from there. And he's the only dude with actual, like, sneaker love on the grid. So shout out to him for that. No, I was going to say Terry Botas needs a sidekick and Joe Gonayu is the perfect guy to be that person. You want to try it again? Joe Gonayu? Joe? <laughs> is it Joe? Is it J-O-E? What, what are we doing? <laughs> Joe Gonayu. Joe Gonayu. He's French? Is he French? I thought he was Chinese, this fellow. Oh, my God. That's what we call a break. A laugh break. <laughs> All right, uh, we are at, I think, 40 minutes. Do we have time to get in-depth for the last two awards, or should we just do one words? Because I do not want to dilute the hot takes, because that's why people are listening, are for the hot takes. So Yeah, we can speed through these. we got three, okay. three more awards. Perfect. So, biggest disappointment, I'll just go ahead and continue to be the broken record I claim to be. 
Pierre Gasly, what's going on, man? Like, is it the fact that you're stuck in that car for another year that now you've entered the dark period in your life? I don't know, but we'll see how you rebound with the back half of the year because at this rate, I don't think he's going to get another role for any other car on the grid. I am going to co-sign Pierre Gasly. Biggest disappointment. Where the hell is he going? What the hell is he doing? Um, I think it's partially the car, obviously, that the... Altari is a dog, but uh, I mean, you're you're not even consistently outperforming your um, teammate, foul mouth teammate. Japanese Cartman is what I heard somebody describe him as. And now that's all I can think of. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, I'm going to take good. the biggest disappointment, kind of a, a, a U-turn here. I'm, I'm going to point at every engineer race director driver car everything about formula one in this sport that they claim is the pinnacle of motorsports and just say what the fuck is porpoising you guys can't figure out how to keep a car from doing this and you have billions of dollars this is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard of in my entire life as a motorsports fan but i digress can, can I change my you. answer to F1 TV direction? Yeah, I was wondering, like, if there was ever <laughs> I was wondering a about that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were going with Driver, uh, but I had that thought when I saw the awards. I was like, well, F1 TV director, obviously. I'm going to we change my watching, answer. No, I was going to say, we were watching Cunny, uh, My Cousin Vinny, and I didn't want to lead the witness, but I was kind of looking at Nick uh, secretly and be like, is he not going to acknowledge this? Like, this is his brand. But... <laughs> Speaking of my favorite moment, anytime I listen to some of our back catalog, uh, for me, probably Carlos Sainz winning a race because I always love it when a new driver wins for the very first time. You get to see the best of the sport. You get to see the sport celebrate that person. And then as a kind of second place to that, that five-way battle for second place for those three laps was fantastic. Like Anything could have been possible to borrow the Adidas tagline and we would have been fine with it because that was what we were expecting from these new racing protocols. So I'll say the British Grand Prix. Nick, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with the British Grand Prix, but I'm going to go specifically with the moment that Lewis kind of just rolled up and and pulled off the unthinkable pass with Checo and uh, was it Checo and Leclerc kind of going back and forth. And somehow yes. they were like three wide into a corner and then all of a sudden like there were two wide but Lewis is in the back and then out of the next corner Lewis was in front of both those cars it was just like this is why this guy's considered the goat and through goes Hamilton also the commentary was fantastic Crofty nailed that yeah that was great uh, mine's a pretty simple one Latifi in Q3 <laughs> And I, 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 I don't even mean that in a joking way. Like, the dude's had a rough go in Formula One. Obviously, he's outclassed. But, you know, even t sometimes the bird that sleeps in gets the worm. So I'm glad before his career is over, which it's all but finalized, it sounds like. Um, I'm glad he had, you know, his little moment in the sun. I genuinely am. He's like a super, super nice guy. Absolute smoke show of a girlfriend. He's going to go cr wipe his tears with, you know, $1,000 bills. So it's not like he's going on to a rough life. But I'm glad he had his little shining moment. 
Can we do a my starting five of our favorite Nicholas Latifi moments, Nick? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> we need to do that at the end of the year. If it's if in fact he's off the grid. If he scores one point or if he's off the grid, that's what we're going to commit to right now. It can be for the Patreons. It can be just for the three of us. It's going to happen. And speaking yeah, of sentimental moments, yes. Uh, Nick, talk to me about a sentimental favorite who may not necessarily be a driver, a constructor, or a rule change. Just something that's increased your love of a sport after what feels like the umpteenth year for you watching this game. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap a lot of what Seb Sebastian Vettel has done this year into this. I think off, off the track, he's been incredible. He's standing up for people, for other people, you know, in a way that you want to look up to your heroes and see them do the same way that Lewis has for years. But Vettel is kind of taking things a step further and like, you know, risking a lot of corporate backlash for some of his statements and, uh, t-shirt choices but also i think like just on a very like personal level almost like i feel like he was literally just sitting back and watching mick schumacher go at at max verstappen a couple weeks back and you know to see him get so excited for for mick to get points because honestly like you know i'm i'm pulling for mick probably harder than anybody else because i'd just love to see the haas team get back to a point where they somehow you know started but yeah it's it's been cool to see seb kind of come into his own with because he was he was a young hothead just like every other driver on the grid for the first five or six years of his career and you know now he's kind of like shifted to where like he's still a great driver but he's you know doing so much more he's than just driving crazy. yep now, I was going to say, if you ever want a lesson on how to be an elder statesman for your particular sport, why don't you just watch the Seb Vettel Masterclass that he's put on this year? Because if it's not wearing the Miami Grand Prix first one underwater or helping clean up after a race or having a backbone and disagreeing with how some of the officiating has gone this year, like Seb Vettel's, I think, almost everyone's favorite number two driver now. And I don't think any of us would have it any other way. Yeah, Nick stole mine. Yeah, he stole Seb mine is. too. Do we just want to name this the Seb Vettel Award and call it a day? <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna give. I, I just thought of this, and it's a weird take. So follow me here. Sure. Because it's an absolutely horrible situation, and the fact that Lewis even had to give go through this again, but when the whole Nelson yep. PK thing happened, but his clapback with that tweet. When some random person tweeted, imagine Lewis tweeting, who the fuck is Nelson PK? And then he just quote tweeted it and put imagine is like the funniest clapback of it. Probably in F1 history. Like there's been some funny ones. There's been some really, really funny moments. But that is like a hockey chirp times 10. It was amazing. Uh, it was like the best possible way for him to deal with that. Like, I know he had much more serious statements in the media, but for like his own personality and him like making light of it, but at the same time, like just absolutely like hammering home his point, it was amazing. So Lewis's, Lewis's uh, quote tweet. Yeah, I was just going to say the man's put on a masterclass on how to be a global icon. 
as he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's at the Seb Vettel level, but I'd say he's probably two to three years away from that. I'm wondering how more is he going to age gracefully because he's doing a fantastic job. And just as a quick sentimental favorite for me, I'm going to take a bit of Nick's answer. Mick Schumacher. Didn't think I would care about a Haas driver, but I really want to see the guy do well. He just seems to go about it the right way. And I think there's probably so much immense pressure on this guy that none of us can ever really fathom. I mean, the closest thing I could think of is if Marcus Jordan or Jeffrey Jordan had made it to the actual NBA league and they were a competent bench player or rotational player but he seems to be taking it all in stride and I think he seemed to get a certain level of his flowers when he did get those points and I don't think there was a dry eye in the house when that happened so kudos to Mick Schumacher hope he can continue to build off that got a tangent real quick go for um, it and also shout out the Pad Hawk podcast that we were talking about in the pre-show because their most recent episode was talking about how he is starting to channel his father's energy and have a little moments of playing the villain and like showing that fire. And I guess, I don't know if it was just going around the paddock or whatever, but Mick Schumacher's new nickname is big Dick Mick. And I (laughs) fucking love that. (laughs) So there you go. You can put that on the spreadsheet. I'm going to say that uh, to quote the immortal Shaquille O'Neal, put that on a T-shirt and sell it, Haas, because that will sell out so quickly. It would be the oh, perfect, my God. It would be the perfect companion piece to the Valtteri Botas butt-ass naked photo. It really would. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, enough of the pleasantries. Let's get to it. The reason Let's why to- all, all 12 of our listeners are still hanging on. Hot takes. Let's do it. So let's, let's get through it. the community hot takes i'll I'll spat them out you guys give me quick reactions to those sure all right dalton starting off uh and speaking of big dick mick uh he thinks uh mick is going to podium at least once this year you guys thoughts i like it i'm with it i would love it i feel like it's a hot take but but there's a sliver of hope there Listen, there's a hot take, and then there's just staring directly into the sun and speaking something into existence. I mean, <laughs> Dalton shows solar violence today, and I'm here for it. Just wait until we get the next one. But I can see that happening. If he's having a good day and he's cruising around like P6, P7, and then we have some sort of think like Silverstone moment where we've got five cars that are battling for P2 going into the same corner, we just have a catastrophic wreck and... Because of that, Mick ends up on the podium. Uh, I can see it happening. I don't think it's too far of a stretch. All right. Moving on to absolutely let's explode the sun hot take. G-Duo Drew. Neither Max or Leclerc is going to win the driver's championship this year. Do we need crickets? Yeah, they're there. Yeah, they're <laughs> I mean, the- I, I, I love that. I love that take, but it does feel like even just acknowledging that I love it, I'm potentially risking myself for skin cancer. <laughs> if that happens, I'm renaming this podcast to the G Duo Exhaust Notes Memorial Podcast. No way in hell happening. I'll I'll put our podcast title on the line if it happens. 
But yeah, deep down, I'm kind decides... of hoping for it. Listen, we need Spawn. Oh, God. I, I think we all are. I think we all are hoping for that, just because it would be so wild. That would mean, like, Checo's in the running. Signs. Signs. Uh, uh, the, the Mercedes Russell. boys. Yep. Yeah, like... That would be crazy, but the sun is literally going to have to crash into the earth and destroy us all for one of those two to not win the driver's championship. Here's what's going to happen. If that happens, the sun is going to reenact that SpongeBob meme where he's just sitting on the couch and he's realizing, okay, this is my time. I'm just going to go off and walk into obscurity. <laughs> yep. How right. do you uh, follow that up? I, <laughs> well, we're going to follow it up. With uh, an equally <laughs> hot take, uh, actually a couple, uh, from our man Kazi, um, who I met on the Sneaker History Call this weekend, uh, cool dude. Florida's finest. And he says, uh, Danny Rick's going to have t- five top five finishes before the end of the year, which I feel like the sun exploding is more of a chance of that happening than that happening. If that happens, the moon also explodes. We're done. <laughs> and I'll name my second born if I'm fortunate enough to have one, Kazi, if that's the case. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nick, anything to add there? I mean, I would love to see that. I think you and I both <laughs> would love to see that. I would cry ugly tears of joy <laughs> if that happened. Would you I was going to say, would you cry ugly tears of joy if he won first place this year? Just one podium win. Or not podium yeah. win. Yeah. Like one P1? One uh, P1. Yeah. I would be like back on the DR hype train. Like, oh, suck <laughs> it. Just giving everybody the DX. Suck it. Especially uh, Trev. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's Basically, the visual of that is Todd. Todd literally has like bags packed. Feet on the pedestal, ready to jump onto the DR train as it passes by at a gazillion miles an hour, knowing that there's no chance that it's a, that it's going to be beneficial to him. But he's fully committed to it, which I love. To be fair, I'm the only one on the hype train right now. Yeah, I was going to say, if Todd wasn't a happily married great father, I would say some very X-rated things about the trains that Todd would run in theory if Daniel Rick would do such the um, unimaginable but I'm not that guy so I will just I say would. this we would all be very happy and we would, would not at all reference things like the human centipede <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ alright Kazi threw in another one which I feel like is a little bit more closer in the atmosphere uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I I could see it happening. Uh, that's Hamilton won't podium this year. Um, or not. I think he meant to say win a race. Because I'm pretty sure he's already got a couple of P3s. Um, but it's mm. very likely. It, it, it's not very likely. It's possible that he doesn't win a race this year. All right. Moving on to uh, our favorite Max Stan. Uh, it's Iron Trev. Alpine and Haas will finish fourth and fifth in the constructors. I actually think that's that's possible. He didn't specify an order, but I could I could see that. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's really actually pretty feasible the way things are headed as of right now. <laughs> like more than a hot take, but kind of just likely. I mean, it's a hot take in a, in the sense that nobody would actually expect that. It'd be one of those things where we just casually watch the last half of the season and then go, what the fuck? My wife yeah. cooked pasta today, and you know how the bubbles will slowly kind of boil? I think that's what that type of take it is. It's not a lukewarm take, but it's also not a scalding hot take. I respect the hustle iron, Trev. He had a couple of other ones. Uh, Latifi's going to make Q2 again this year, which I think is easily possible. Like, he, the dude got to, to Q3. Give him another little smaller moment in the sun. I think it's easy. Um, and then Checo will uh, will win two more races. But I think that was m- more of a... In a it was in response to somebody else's hot take. Uh that Checo's only going to win two more races this year. So, what do you I guys like think? That. that makes me think. I mean, I'd love to see Latifi. Honestly, I'd love to see Williams, either Williams driver, because I like Alex Albon a lot too. But, like, the team itself is just seems like such a mess. And then throw on the fact that Latifi is so hit or miss with his confidence that, you know... I, I, but like to, to Todd's point, like if he's going to be out of the sport, I'd love to see him, you know, make a little name for himself. Have that little extra extra line on the Wikipedia page, you know. I'll do you one better when he posts his availability on Cameo. Much like we had the discussion of what was the guy's name? Nick Kloss. I don't want that for Nicholas Latifi. I want people to remember that he was a quality human being, a nice Canadian, and as my co-host pointed out, has an absolute smoke show of a girlfriend. So I feel that's what you should be remembered for. He's going to go wipe his tears with hundreds. All right. Um, moving on. Our our honorary fourth member, A.A. Ron, came in with uh, Russell's going to end up P3 in the Drivers' Championship. Hmm. Which is like... Sounds like a hot take, and then you're like, wait, shit, that could happen. That's a lukewarm take. I would not bat an eyelid if that happened. I would. Wonder I mean, that's if- a hot take because it's coming from Aaron, who is a diehard Red Bull fan. Yes, but he's only... So, Russell's on 128, Carlos is in P4 on 133, and Sergio Perez is on 151. So, he's not that far off. He needs just outperform them... You know they have they're in two cars that aren't the most reliable. They're both definitely going to take engine penalties. That's like I can really see that happening. I just want to hear from Aaron himself what he thinks will happen to Checo Perez for that to happen. Because if I look at that correctly, let's say Checo even chokes from third or second place, her Red Bull standings, I could see them saying, you know what, he's not good enough. Get somebody else in that second seat because what's going on? That's a good point. I think it'll be mechanical. A- I think if this happens, it'll be a mechanical issue, not a Checo issue. Yeah, but still, do you think Red Bull would give him that benefit of the doubt? And They should. He's a fantastic driver. He was the best driver for me for this half season. But at the same time, there is a precedence there that Red Bull has set. Oh, yeah. They'll give him the time. They just signed him to an extension through 2024. Um, 
he's proven over the last year plus that he can be the absolute best possible teammate for Max in many situations. Um, I don't think if there was a mechanical reason why he, like he's DNFing because of mechanical reasons and then the races that he's not, he's still competitive. The man just went from P20 to P2. Let's not forget that. That's fair. Um, I don't think a string of bad mechanical luck is going to be like, well, maybe we should look at a junior driver. But at the same time, because of the mechanical issues, I could see that happening where George overtakes them. Yep. All right. Um, I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I don't know this gentleman's name, but he is part of our Discord. And he uh, has a screen name of SMJ1724. Um, uh, he His hot take was, Ocon will finish with more points than Lando. Do I have a burner account? <laughs> <laughs> SMJ, I don't know who you are, but send me a private message, buddy. Like, you and I. We can be the Ocon life raft, or we can buy timeshares on Ocon Island. I'm so glad that there's another member of the Ocon Hive. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's definitely possible at this point, the way McLaren has been kind of just like meh this season. I could see... I could see McLaren completely turning around and and you know jumping up both for lando and danny rick but i could also see them just completely falling off and i think you know ocon's been consistent by the way i just got a text from smj 1738 no it's 1724 i just wanted to reference the fetty wop song uh we would like to be referred to as the estebandits as our <laughs> I was going to say the Ratatouille's, as in there's two Esteban Ocons. Or and as then Esteban once it's Ocon three, Ocon's. we could put T-O-O, like there's too many of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, okay. Uh, hot take. I think there's no way in hell that happens. Uh, Lando's a far <laughs> better driver. Um, but let's moving on. Okay, this makes more sense now. So AJ came in with the hot take that Checo is going to win the driver's title. And I think that's why Trev responded with Checo's only going to win two more races. Um, what do you guys think? Checo, world champion? I would love to see it. I mean, I think that would be an amazing thing to see, but... Unfortunately, I don't want to wish that upon anyone above him on the grid right now because the only way that's happening is something bad happens. Yeah, like the sun explodes the earth. Exactly. Yes, yeah. There's no chance in hell. Sorry, in which AJ. case, make sure you leave us a review before our <laughs> podcast is annihilated. By-, <laughs> by the way, we joked about this. Uh, Todd, when your second is born... I will know that child's name and I will write a review for this podcast. <laughs> guys. Yes, we will. We, we're, <laughs> we're not releasing the name until delivery day. My family's very mad about that. But um, if uh, Checo wins the driver's title, I will change her middle name to Checo or Chequito or some female version of Chiquita. Chiquita. Um, 
All I know is I've got another member of the Estebandits. That's really good. Okay, last but not least, I think we're like super on time, off time here. That's fine. Oh, we're not bad. Just over an hour. Okay, uh, last Jackal came in with kind of a confirmation of an earlier prediction. Alpine's going to end up P4 in the Constructors. Everybody's on the Alpine hype train tonight. Listen, man, it is what it is. There's a reason why they're my best constructor. Nick's Giants hat slowly transform, transforming into a Kamoa hat. I can see it now. <laughs> I mean, I kind of do right. want one. I, I'm surprised you don't have one, to be honest, because that seems like a very not that you would like real like necessarily rocket rocket, but it's just a it's a as far as classic hats in F1 go, that's a pretty classic one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Uh, Sorry, go go ahead, Ro. No, I was just going to say, we have one last section, and it's hot takes, but these are aged hot takes because this was, I think, what, our second or third episode when we made these predictions? So, Nick, why don't you lead us Uh, off with this hot take? All right, go ahead. Before we do that, there's there's one hidden one you missed from the Discord, which you can join by hitting the link in the description. But Dalton had one in in one of his replies that said, I'll give one more. Max is going to win every race the rest of the season. What do you guys think? That would be the darkest timeline. But it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen simply for the fact that they're going to take multiple engine penalties. And as good as Max is, I don't think he's going to do, you know, P20 to P1 twice. So for for the new fans of the sport, break down what that means in terms of taking an engine penalty in this example. So there's like a limited number of parts that you can use for a season. Like you have a limited number of gearboxes, you have a limited number of engines, you have a limited number of turbos, et cetera, et cetera. Um, If you take more than the limit allows, I think it's three internal combustion engines, you then take a... I believe it's a 10 place grid penalty the first time and for some god known reason you only take a 5 point a 5 place grid penalty the second or subsequent times and I can't remember where I saw the count I did see it this week but um uh they're both all, both the Red Bull and both the Ferrari drivers are already on three engines each and we're halfway into the season the way that those engines have been popping for both of those teams, I would at least think that they're going to double that number for the by the end of the season. So that means at, at least for two to three more races, he's going to be, regardless of if he's qualifying on pole or not, he's going to be uh, starting from at least the middle to the back of the grid, depending on what else they have to take. So if... Going in, into this a little bit further, story time, if they take an engine and a control electronics or an engine and a gearbox, those penalties compound. So generally, you'll see that if they're going to take an engine, they'll also take whatever else they need. So they are starting P20 no matter what. So basically, this all these hot takes are actually way more possible than we thought. And... We need sunscreen. 
why did it get really bright in here all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, that's the future of the Exhaust Notes podcast. That's why we wear shades. <laughs> all right. Uh, are we doing... So I noticed something in the spreadsheet. There's only two of my hot takes. Yeah. And I'm a jerk. What was I'm your missing hot take? I don't remember. I'd have to go <laughs> back and search. I'm sure it's either in our text thread or somewhere in a note in my phone, but I'd have to find it. Okay. Um, si- since we're up against time, do we want to just add the two new hot takes and then we'll review all of them at yes, the end of the year? Yes, let's do that. Okay. So, that being said, Rohit, give us your first additional hot take mid-season review. My first, with my first hot pick in the hot pick drafts, I will say Carlos Sainz will outscore his teammate in the back half of the season. <laughs> That's a spicy one. You must be part of the Chili fan club because that's Sainz's nickname. That is really spicy. And speaking of spice, you can save 10% off your Kicks with V hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, V. But seriously, code history... History 10, I think, gets you 10% off. Or Sneaker History 10 gets you 10% off. I love that. I do need to re-up. I, 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 think, I think that's... Uh, that's... It's not quite as spicy as one of Rowett's uh, original hot takes that Red Bull will gain a third team. But, you know... We still haven't heard that Porsche announcement. I'm just saying... Right. And and like, honestly, like I, I feel like I miss an opportunity to throw in a Porsche comment around the biggest surprise or best constructor, because already getting Honda to basically take the 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 pain away from being a constructor by convincing them to come on as a constructor temporarily for a couple of years, as we talked about in a previous episode, that could be constructor of the year even without even running a team, right? Like, that's that's quite the power move. It is. Speaking of power moves, Nick, what's your first hot take to add to your... I would say you're the most successful in terms of your takes actually coming to fruition. Uh, so I think, uh, I think both Russell and Hamilton will get wins. One each, or like, give me an over-under. I'd say over and under three, over and under three, but like one each for sure. Like so, over under cumulative total. So like, so let me ask yeah. you know, Russell Who's, gets two, Hamilton gets yeah. one, kind of thing. Yep, yep. Wow. God, your work is cut out. There have been some spicy takes. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was gonna have. Uh. Okay, well, this actually feeds into what Nick just said. I've got a two-part hot take here. <clears throat> Merck is going to beat Ferrari in the constructors. And I'm going to need those wins that Nick just talked about for that to happen. I was going to say, wasn't one of our many convoluted bets that already... Anyway, I guess because we never wrote it down, you're right. But Merck over Ferrari. So they've got in second cons- place locked up. Yep, you heard it here first. They're currently like 70-ish points off of 
off of uh, Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. But as I stated several times now, Ferrari's going to have a lot of parts penalties over the course of the year. We just saw another catastrophic blow-up in uh, Austria. And I think because Russell's Mr. Consistency and Hamilton's finally coming around on the car, they've figured out the porpoising-ish. Um, we still have yet to see a bumpy track for that to be tested completely. Um, but they've also taken a step performance-wise. So I think it's going to be Red Bull running away with it and a fight for P2 with Merck and Ferrari. Merck coming out on top because of their German-like clockwork. Can I Sec- say that... Well, sorry, one last thing around that prediction. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call a hedge because one of Todd's first hot takes of the year was Ferrari's going to win the Constructors' title. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we'll review that at the end of the season. <laughs> um... <clears throat> If they could make a car last the whole race, they would have it locked up. Uh, So the second part of that is, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but McLaren's going to be beaten by Alpine, Haas, and Alfa Romeo in the Constructors. In that order? So they're currently I feel like I was just stabbed in the back by my fellow McLaren fan. (laughs) At at two, Yates? At two? I can't... But also, you're right. I, okay, so here's my reasoning on that. They're currently tied with Alpine. They're technically ahead of them because of countback or whatever. But they're currently P4 in the Constructors. They're tied with Alpine with 81 points. Behind them is Alfa Romeo on 51 points and Haas on 34 points. Collectively, all of those drivers are on a better run. Lando is obviously still great, right? It's not going to be... Lando's fault, it's going to be the team's fault, and it's going to be Danny Rick's fault. They're, they've stated publicly that they're not bringing any major developments for the rest of the year. The car is what it is, essentially. All the other teams are still developing. How they're beating that in the cost cap era, I, I don't know, but they spent their money more wisely or God knows what else. So they are going to fall be- behind all three of those teams and finish seventh. In the constructors, um, I don't know if in that specific order, but I actually would probably say it's uh, Alpine, Haas, and then Alpha, um, because I think Haas has a higher peak than maybe Alpha does because of the Ferrari power. Well, they're actually, they're both Ferrari powered. Haas seems to be dealing with the power unit stuff better than Alpha does, I guess. So there's my reasoning. That's my hot take. I like it. You one-upped somebody else's uh, Iron Trev's prediction, so I like the fact that your ongoing rivalry continues and it's getting spicier. Yeah, our rivalry is now just who can talk the most shit about McLaren. Yes. All right, well, Nick, what is your final new hot take? All right, I'm going to say that either Sebastian Vettel or Fernando Alonso will score a podium. And I will use that to say my final hot take, which is we will have three podium places from the non-top six. Or, yeah. So, I'm one-upping your prediction. Wait, you're... Roll back the next for a second. Yours was 
that either Seb or Alonzo is going to have a podium before the end of the year? Yep. Who do you think is more likely out of those two? Oh, definitely Alonzo. I feel like he's he's got a better car and he's just way more aggressive right now. But I think that, you know, deep down I'd love to see Vettel get a get a podium out of out of the uh, Aston Martin. Yeah, that team's in shambles. I would also like to see Seb cuz I love him. Uh I want to bro hug him. I would ugly but, cry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just pop, he'd pop out of the cockpit at the end of the race and like bees would just swarm like instead of doves. It would just be bees. I would say his patronus are bees, but yeah, I, I can go with that. He can be friends. <laughs> <Patronus. laughs> and then so road yours was the so three we're gonna have three podium places from the non top six. So essentially, for three positions, will be non Ferrari, non Red Bull, non Merc. Okay, so that would be like you're thinking a Lando, an Alonso, Alonso, Ocon. I mean, I still think it's going to be a very top three heavy back half of the season, but I'll see three results where you will see non top six people on the podium, just three. Okay. That we would need some pretty chaotic races for that to happen, but anything's possible. I do. But that's why I asked you about the engine penalties because that's a really interesting factor that's going to be thrown into the mix as this as this kind of plays out, right? You have Mercedes actually consistently kind of moving up and up and up and up. The top two teams are going to be taking penalties for sure, and then you have well, all these wild cards in the midfield. Todd, That's the cra- crazy thing, though, is because I think Merck and Williams and McLaren are like the three best teams poised parts-wise. They're all Mercedes-powered. So that definitely plays into the back half of this year. Um, I know that they... That, I can't remember. I, I wish I could find that link again. But like, there's several of the midfield teams that have already taken engine penalties. And we're halfway through. So, and Renault's being Renault being one of them. So it's it's going to be interesting. It's it's really interesting to think about the fact that last year, I think we would all agree that basically, Formula One, the FIA, Formula One as an organization, mismanaged the season so poorly that we ended up. And maybe it's just Michael Massey and and you know, he's gone now. He's left the sport but like it's hard for me to believe that he was the only decision maker in that entire process he's the fall guy in my opinion but it's really interesting to think that those that group of people somehow some way came up with all these rule changes where i'm literally sitting here excited about the rest of the season even with max so far in front even with red bull so dominant because it just feels like something could happen the rest of the way like that i feel like something crazy could happen at any moment and just throw this all into you know a fresh start for many of these teams definitely could happen all right uh speaking of michael massey he just it was confirmed 
that he was the fall guy because he left the FIA and has moved back home to Australia. Fun fact. Yep. Um. So my last hot take, uh, and this is not necessarily specifically about racing, but kind of goes along with what Nick just said about the excitement of the season and the continued upswing of Formula One worldwide. I think that we're going to have one new team confirmed to the grid for the 2024 season by the end of the year. And I'm saying that kind of before the next season starts, I think we'll have one new team to the added. So we're going to have at least 22 cars uh, go on confirmed for the 2024 season by the end of the year. Predictions for the drivers. I think the weird thing is, (laughs) no, it's not going to be Danny Rick. Uh, For some reason, I'm just not thinking it's going to be Andretti. Uh, I just heard Andretti on another podcast talking about their struggles. Um, Mario Andretti, not Michael Andretti. Mario Andretti was on a podcast talking about not necessarily their struggles, but just how it's been going. And there's been a bunch of stuff in the news and they're kind of calling the old guard haters a little bit. So part of me somehow thinks it's going to be Audi and this is I don't know why I feel like this but I think Audi's going to try to buy Aston Martin I'm going to add that to your hot take because that makes sense Lawrence Stroll is going to see that he bit off more than he could chew and he wants to stop bankrolling his idiot son who also has a smoke show girlfriend look her up holy hell um (laughs) sorry i don't know it's been a weird couple weeks i've been alone with a four-year-old um i just want your son to introduce smoke show to all his friends at daycare and school and then just have him (laughs) explain what that means yeah show and tell (laughs) this (laughs) jesus christ uh yeah i think even though they've been saying that there's not, they're not currently taking applications for new teams. I think Liberty Media wants to capitalize on the upswing, get some new excitement, get some new regions in, whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be Audi for some reason over Andretti. I mean, I guess like hot take, hopeful hot take for me would be that it's that it's both and all of the above, like. Porsche, Audi, Andretti. Red Bull. Let's just make three. this one big happy family. I don't think Porsche, Porsche, sorry, counts as a constructor though because they're going to be the engine pro- supplier to Red Bull. So like I was, I was kind of excluding them. I think that's going to be announced. Well, it was supposed to be announced in Austria. For some reason, it wasn't. Um. But I, I wasn't like including them in the the mix there. All right. Any more before we get out of here? No, my hot Let's... take is you can follow me on Instagram at rohadm13 and on Twitter at rohizi. Todd, how about you? Uh, what... 
I am uh, TEZ on Instagram, TEZF1 on uh, Twitter. And also, shout out to Lewis Hamilton, who's going to hit 300 races this weekend in La Castellet. Um And I had a trivia question for you guys, but we'll save that for the end of the show, I guess. Ooh. Well, you can find me at Nick Ingvall on all platforms. You can follow the show, Exhaust Notes FM on all platforms, or see all the previous episodes at exhaustnotes.fm. And uh, related to the Lewis's 300th race, I'm going to say that he's, he's going to win. I agree. I think Lewis wins this weekend. Carlos Simmons for me. Okay. Pepper and spice and everything nice. Who's the? Uh, there's only five drivers above 300 races in F1. Who are they? Schumacher. He's one. It's a pretty recent Red Bull oh, driver. Nick, is, Nick, Nick, this is a full circle moment. You went back on mute. Uh, is uh, Alonso about 300 yep actually he's gonna be the number one all time by the end of the year if he starts every race Nigel Mansell no think colder nickname of the Iceman ooh Kimi Raikkonen Kimi Raikkonen. Man, I was going to say Val Kilmer. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen Top Gun yet, but that's a great reference. Thank you. I I try. Okay, uh, I'll give you guys some hints. Who was the last one? There's two more. Okay. Uh, Jensen Button, which actually surprised me. Also on cameo. I should have known that. Jensen Button, uh, he actually was kind of a journeyman in F1. I always think of him in his, at his time in, in Red Bull, but he raced for a lot of teams. And then the other ones you, might, you guys not might not be familiar with, but he was in the the league, as they say, for like 17 seasons, I want to I say. Oh, wow. uh, Rubens Barrichello. Oh, yeah. He drove with Schumacher for years at Ferrari. Yep. and He, he, was, was, he was the original Checo. Yeah, he drove for a, a million teams, and he, he was, uh, yeah, he was around forever. So, I should have known that too because I was a big fan of Bar. Aaron was a big fan of Bar Honda team, who Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello both drove for. Ah, I'm slacking. It's okay. Today was truly the exhaust and the exhaust notes podcast. I feel like we went for <laughs> 90 minutes of pure unadulterated fun, and we're feeling it now. One more fun it fact. Was Sorry, a blast, though. it was ninety minutes, but we're gonna go a little bit longer because if you're still listening, you're gonna get all of it. Uh, Sebastian Vettel would finish on three hundred races if he didn't miss the the races at the beginning of the year with COVID. So if he does retire, he's gonna retire at two hundred ninety nine, which would be can't s- retire. Such he's a not- bummer. I will cry ugly tears if he retires. Here's the thing. If that happens, I will start a Kickstarter for whatever Formula One dis- driver decides that they got COVID the first race back from next year. So then Seb can jauntily march in and take that spot for 300. That would be awesome. I love it. Okay. 
and we love you. Please leave us reviews, like our posts on the social media, listen to this, tell your friends about this because at the end of the day, as much as we love cracking each other up with these hot takes, we also love cracking you up, Unseen Listener. And our thought is there's always somebody that's listening to this podcast for the very first time. So if that's you, we hope you like this because if you sat through all of this, then you're truly one of our tribe and we would love for you to stay with us and write us a review. Well said. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Crickets. Human centipede. <laughs> <laughs>